morning everybody and welcome to this special service of parish communion on the 15th Sunday after Trinity. We celebrate today with joy God's gift of music and the years that Andrew as our music director has inspired and led our services. So in this service let us make our prayer in word and song and seek God's blessing upon all who minister through music. And we begin this morning by standing for our processional hymn number 40, Angel Voices Ever Singing. to the Lord as long as I live. 
I will make music to my God while I have my being. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us, then, confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon, and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In place of the Gloria this morning, we have an extra hymn, Hosanna, Hosanna, number 314. Please stand.
collect for the 15th Sunday after Trinity. God, who in generous mercy sent the Holy Spirit upon your church in the burning fire of your love, grant that your people may be fervent in the fellowship of the gospel that, always abiding in you, they may be found steadfast in faith and active in service. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for our first lesson. reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 to 20 see I have set before you today life and prosperity death and adversity if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God walking in his ways and observing but if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our psalm, we're going to stand and sing hymn number 724. Thank you. 
for our New Testament reading. The reading is taken from Philemon, verses 1 to 21. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend, and co-worker to Afia our sister to Archippus our fellow soldier and to the church in your house grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ when I remember you in my prayers I always thank my God because I, I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith towards the Lord Jesus I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useless both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you, knowing that you would do even more than I say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning's gradual hymn is number 524.
alleluia. Sound praises to the Lord or the earth, break into singing, make music, and hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and estimate the cost? to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the Gospel of Christ. Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> Words from this morning's Gospel portion. Therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. On August the 1st, 1914, Hurst Blackborough, a 20 year old Welshman, was huddled inside a metal locker in the storage hold of the ship Endurance. And he was awaiting assurance from his friends that the vessel had successfully set sail and was too far at sea to turn back. And although Blackborough knew that what he was doing was illegal, he was determined to join the crew of Sir Ernest Shackleton's Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. And when Blackborough first responded to Shackleton's recruitment advertisement, he was rejected. But he decided that he would not be deterred, and his throwaway plan worked. When he was discovered, Shackleton reluctantly made him the 28th member of the crew. 
22 months later, however, Perth Blackborough was huddled within a threadbare fur coat, sucking on what remained of his last sugar cube, the last of the six he'd been given from the crew's meagre rations. Sadly, they hadn't even made it to the Antarctic mainland. Before the ship could reach the target destination, the hull became locked in a vice grip of floating ice. And leaving the majority of his crew, Shackleton departed with a small team, in a 23-foot-long lifeboat, to seek help from whalers on the nearest island, which was South Georgia and 800 miles away. Miraculously, he actually made it. And four months after the risky mission began, everyone was rescued. And aside from losing a few toes to frostbite, Blackborough escaped with no other physical signs of his ordeal. Now, I was inclined to pity Purse Blackborough and his impetuous decision to stow away in the endurance. What on earth made him want to stow away? Surely he'd been deceived. Surely Shackleton must have used some kind of flashy, misleading recruitment campaign to dupe all those men into joining him. But the truth is, in fact, that Blackborough and every one of the other 27 members of Shackleton's crew were absolutely well prepared for their dangerous endeavour. This is Shackleton's ad in a London newspaper. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success, Sir Ernest Shackleton. Now what does that remind us of? It's a bit like the Gospel of Luke where Jesus resolutely pursues his own perilous journey. And in chapter 14, a bit of which we've just heard, Jesus finds himself followed by large crowds determined to travel with him, many, many who fancy themselves new members of his entourage. And although they conclude correctly that he's headed for the triumphant coronation in Jerusalem, they don't understand, do they? that Jesus' enthronement will take place on a Roman cross, hanging between two thieves. And in light of their ignorant enthusiasm to become his followers, Jesus gives them a startling, startlingly honest appraisal of what's involved in the journey of discipleship. So he declares that no part of one's life is left untouched when you travel as his disciple. Everything, family, reputation, possessions, even life itself, has to be second to the demands of the kingdom of God. And to communicate this as strongly as possible, so that nobody's left in any doubt whatsoever, Jesus tells those two parables, about a man building a tower, and about a king contemplating war. Now what does that remind us of? The combined message of both short stories is this. You must travel the journey of discipleship on the path of total surrender. So Jesus' first story, 
about the man who wants to build a tower makes a universally applicable point about discipleship. Before embarking on it, you have to calculate the cost. If the journey of discipleship is like building a tower, then it's vital we understand the costs involved. And immediately preceding this parable, as we heard last week, Jesus outlined the price to be paid in order to become a follower. Your love for your family must look like hatred compared to your love with Jesus. Your commitment to your life, plans, hopes and dreams must be subordinate to those of Jesus. Even your own possessions aren't yours, for they might constantly be given up as well. Now, some of these demands seem exceedingly steep. But Jesus insists that we survey what we consider to be our resources and calculated the expenditure involved in leaving what we have to follow him. And so I ask of us today, what's the highest cost for you in the journey of discipleship? What aspect of discipleship scares you the most and asks the most of you? Because it will be different for each and every one of us. And although Jesus' second parable expands upon the first, he advances his point a step further. Not only must you calculate the cost of discipleship, you must evaluate your ability. Now, members of Jesus' audience didn't have to be soldiers to appreciate the battle scenario he describes. And the numbers he uses presuppose that the king is outnumbered two to one, 10,000 against 20,000. So even with the best of troops, these are not good odds. And when and if the king realises he isn't able, rather than submit to a humiliating defeat, resulting in untold carnage and death, he'll send a delegation and submit to terms of surrender. But how does that relate to joining Jesus on a journey of discipleship? Jesus assumes that no one should build a tower without calculating the cost. But he suggests too that the wise evaluation of the war-making king is to be emulated. And he means this. Look within yourself. Appraise everything you possess. Your family, your social networks, and the way in which you work out in your life. Your mental acumen, your natural talents, your learned skills. But don't just look to your perceived strengths. Evaluate your weaknesses as well. Moral deficiencies, problems, serious blind spots. Do you have what it takes to complete the journey? Do you have what it takes to become a disciple of Jesus? Jesus knows that if we're honest with ourselves, we will discover that we don't have the necessary resources to complete the journey of discipleship all on our own. Because as talented and skilled as many of you are here today, as eager, as enthusiastic as you may be, when you aspire to follow the path of a saviour who embraces coronation through crucifixion, you're like the king, with 10,000 troops hoping to defeat one with 20,000. The point is, it can't be done. And this is what Jesus means. 
when we evaluate our ability, it serves to show that we come to realise we don't have all that it takes all by ourselves. With the cost so high and our resources insufficient, there is only one option remaining. Surrender. Surrender to the King of Kings, who will lead, support, guide, uphold us on our journey. It's telling us to lean on Jesus and look to him. So in essence, this reading, just like those of previous weeks, focuses upon what it means to be a disciple and also about getting our priorities right. And it's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't call us to do something that he didn't undertake for himself. But today our focus is a bit different. And we are celebrating Andrew's ministry for the past 10 years or so as our director of music. Now, Andrew is someone who's had direct experience of the cost of discipleship because he has put us first on so many occasions while his family must have wondered if they'd ever see him home for a Sunday lunch ever again. And if it was a baptism Sunday, Andrew, then we don't normally get home till about 5pm. So Brenda must have despaired. And that's just a Sunday. There's let alone a Thursday for choir practice or worship and liturgy meetings or preparing the music list for the forthcoming months. And what's more, instead of just being our music director, Andrew has been our Christian music director. Someone whose faith is obvious and who has wholeheartedly shared in, led and enhanced our worship. So Andrew, you've shown us what true discipleship is about and may we be inspired by your example and follow your lead so that our worship might continue to inspire and build upon the example of discipleship you've set us. Amen. And now we are going to stand and profess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. 
We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. today are specifically with music in mind and in, are inspired by some written by Bishop John Pritchard. To the bidding, O sing to the Lord a new song, would you please respond, sing his praise in the congregation. O sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praise in the congregation. Lord of beauty and harmony, who gave us music for joy and celebration, for sadness and consolation, and for faith and inspiration. We thank you for the wealth of music that we have available to us in worship. We thank you for the great hymn writers of the past and for their modern counterparts. Help us to invest our faith more fully in our singing and playing, and when we sing, we think about the words and the one to whom we are singing. O sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praise in the congregation. Lord of beauty and harmony, who puts music in our hearts and a longing for, for perfection, thank you for the capacity of great music to move and inspire us, and to disturb and question us. May we give ourselves fully to that experience as one of many routes which you offer the joy of your presence. May those whom faith, for whom faith is difficult find in music a voice they recognise and discover it to be yours. And may the musicians that we listen to honour the composer's art and the Lord of all creative creativity as they give life to the music for them. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise in the congregation. Lord of beauty and harmony, thank you for those who lead the praises of your people, choirs, organists, music groups and soloists. We pray for those who lead our music in this parish, asking for your richest blessing on them. And in particular today we give thanks for Andrew, for the richness and diversity of music that he has brought to this parish over many years, for the fun and laughter which we have shared, and for his patience with our choir, and the wonderful legacy that he is leaving us. And we also give thanks for Brenda for her quiet support of Andrew, and pray for her today as she is unable to be with us. And we pray for Andrew and Brenda as they move towards a new phase in their lives and are able to spend more time together. 
We also pray for Janice as she becomes our new Director of Music and for Linda as she takes up the post of organist and accompanist. We welcome them both into our spiritual family and look forward to working with them to continue the long tradition of music in this parish, praying that the music may increasingly fill our hearts with this desire and love for you. O sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praise in the congregation. Lord of beauty and harmony, we confess that our lives often fail to reflect your harmony and peace. We pray for the world and the discord and conflicts which are affecting so many parts of our world at this time. In particular, we pray for all those suffering because of the conflicts in Syria and Egypt and pray that world leaders may unite to find a way through their differences and find a resolution for peace. O sing to the Lord a new song. Lord of beauty and harmony, we pray for those who are sick or in special need, for those who have died and for those grieving for them. We think particularly of all those mentioned on our pew sheet and any others known to us who we now name in our hearts. And also we have been particularly asked today to pray for Nelson Mandela. We pray that those who are sick, in need or grieving may perhaps be touched by music in their lives and find peace, serenity and solace and that those who have died may be met with the songs of the angels. I will sing to the Lord a new song. Lord of beauty and harmony, we pray that our hearts grow ever more responsive to your love running so deeply through our lives. Give us the desire to live our lives closer to you, the one who composed our lives with such originality and patience. And in the words of the well-known hymn written by George Herbert, let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. Merciful Father, Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. When the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, 
Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them saying, Drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of your kingdom. And with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And bring us, O Lord God, at our last awakening, into the house and gate of heaven, to enter that gate and dwell in that house, where there shall be no darkness nor dazzling, but one equal light. No noise nor silence, but one equal music. No fears nor hopes, but one equal possession. No ends or beginnings, but one equal eternity. In the habitations of thy glory and dominion, world without end. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread.
Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall forgive you.
keep, O Lord, your church with your perpetual mercy. And because without you our human frailty cannot but fall, keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now offer ourselves in service to God. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. But before we send you out, I published the bands of marriage between Adam Henry Witherington of single status of the parish of Streatham, Emmanuel and All Angels and Anna Lisa Marie Foster, also of single status in that parish but who wishes to be married at this church by virtue of her connection to St. James. This is for the second time of asking. If any of you know any reason why these two persons should not be joined together in holy matrimony, ye are to declare it. And we wish Adam and Anna a very happy and lifelong marriage. Now, lots of things to do this morning. Um, children, what was happening in, uh, I've lost the plot, Junior Contrast and Kids Cafe? Any other children around? Oh, come on, Natalie. Take it, Bob. This morning um, we talked about um, Jesus telling the people that they had to um, take up their cross and um, we compared it, we looked at the, the fact that he said um, that if you were building something and you weren't prepared, um, that you wouldn't do a very good job. So we've done some building, they all had to plan a, a construction and then they told me how many bricks they needed and they built it. Um, they thought about things that were really important to them. So would anyone like to say what you thought was really important to you? Um, I thought... Um, well, um, my mummy was really important oh. to me. And lots of them thought that their mummies were very, very important. And we talked about how hard it would be um, not to have our mummies. Um, and then, would you like to all show what you made? We were thinking about having our crosses, and sometimes we have to do things that are hard. So our crosses are to remind us um, that we can do things that are hard um, if Jesus wants us to. Thank you. We've got some reluctant junior contrast uh, uh, young members. Come on, Mark Aaron, you're going to have to do it for them. Come on, shy. Dear me, Ed. Come on, you two, you're not shy. We had we had two more. Where are the other two? You lost two on the way. Oh, we, oh, we have two in the back back there. Anyway. Oh, come, come on, you two. Oh, dear me. Come on, the Salkel. Joseph. 
Joseph. Joe, where are you? Okay, Joseph's in the back there. Oh, he's standing up. He's coming forward. Oh, well done, Joe. <laughs> All boys, Mark Aaron. Wow. We had a lot. Of, we had a lot of boys today, um, but that's that's only because we didn't have any girls come. <laughs> <laughs> For no other reason than that, really. Um, but we had. We had our four boys that, that came this morning, and one of the things that we've talked about is developing junior contrast for the whole year. So we had a good conversation about what we we're going to do for the rest of the year. We talked about, um, one of them wanted to, to build a new sign for us for the door, um, because we, we, we can't, yeah, well, we want a new sign, so we want a junior contrast sign, so we're going to do that as a group, aren't we? And. Um, we also, of course, played a bit of uh, around the world on the ping pong table or the table tennis table. Uh, we couldn't go into the hall because there's some other very big special event happening this <laughs> afternoon. So we really, because otherwise we like to go into the hall and do things. Um, but I think someone else took priority. Um, what else? Anything else? Oh, they eventually got out the um, the um, bunny rabbit video, and they were watching a bunny rabbit video for a while. <laughs> That's funny, hold the line. So we had a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't think we should let him forget about the Bugs Bunny video. We'll remember that one. What do you teach them in junior contrast? You teach them to watch Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> now, are there any notices other than the fact that everybody's very welcome back for lunch? And also to say a huge thank you to the choir this morning. We are so grateful to all of you that came back for this service. It's lovely to see the choir enlarged, even though we didn't have enough robes for you all. I can't believe that uh, we didn't have enough, but there we go. That's wonderful. So thank you to all those I can't see behind the, the pillar. And our final hymn, I see, is We Are Marching. Now, we normally do this with lots of percussion instruments. I know we've got the drums, but I think everybody's got a stamp. Otherwise, it's not going to be like a, 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 a clap. Okay, not like a 9.30. So, we're going to march. 7.8.9.
unseen trinity be in your heart and the blessing of God almighty the father the son and the holy spirit be among you and remain with you always amen go in peace to love and to serve the lord in the name of christ amen